can be seated. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you guys about being made. Amen. I mean, um, the definition that, um, that God revealed to me, um, made is to make oneself known, be made known, and made without hands. Amen. And I, I just pray that today that you're persuaded of who you are and who you are is made known to you today. Amen. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to dive in. Well, Father God in heaven, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for the word. Father, that dwells on the inside of us, that is quick and alive, Father. And Father, we just pray that that word, Father, floods in us, Father, with light in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father, for the, the things, the deep things, the secrets, Father, that you are the revealer of secrets. And we just praise you and thank you, Father, that those secrets about our image, Father, are made known in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, but yes, talking about being known, that fellowship with God and intimacy with God causes who you are on the inside to be known and God to be known and then when we know who we are he wants us to make his name known in the earth you know that it's not um who it's not us that we're presenting you know when we start walking in the word and I just want to talk about even making the word flesh today um even with Abraham you know he he dwelt on what was written about him and he found his image of who God said he was and what he was going to be to the nations by what was written about him in the words of God and he was persuaded for who, you know, God said that he was. And that we have to get persuaded of who God called our generation to be. We have to be persuaded of who God has called us individually to be. And to be persuaded, you have to fellowship with the word. You have to have intimacy with the word that, you, you know, it's not just a book, but you're fellowshipping with God when you're reading, you know, the books, these pages, these words, that you're fellowshipping with him. And it causes intimacy and it causes who you are to be made known. So that when you're reading your book, that it's not just a task to mark off as a Christian, but that's just a fellowship time with my father. It's a fellowship times with the words of God that created me. That there's no way you're going to know who you are without reading the words of God over your life. There's, that's impossible. Um, and on the other side, it's important to keep out the wrong words. That we were formed and made by the words of God. And to, to present those words, you have to keep the wrong words out. You have to keep the wrong images out of your life to present what God has called us to be. Amen. Um, and, you know, we I know I've been there. I've made that mistake of being young and you want to see somebody in the, I guess, um, a believer that you can like look up to or like a, a believer that and it, it's really your the image on the inside of you needs to come out. You know, that sometimes we could say, oh, if I could just see a Christian that could do this, if I could just see somebody that was like this, a young, another young person or a friend that I can find. But God has called us to be that image that we're earning for. That we us to be that image that we want to see in this earth by his words. So we, we can't wait, you know, for the next person to be who God called them to be. But we have to edify ourselves and build ourselves up with the words of God, of what God called us to be. You know, and young age, we're constantly looking for an image. For me, um, I remember, like, one of my, I don't know, if, how many of you guys remember the Powerpuff Girls? Okay. And I had, like, three friends. And I know you guys have done that, like, with your favorite, like, show or cartoon. You, you find out who is you. Like, that's me. Like, I'm that one. So, for me, I wanted to be the green one, which is Buttercup, right? Yeah. So, it was Buttercup, and I was like, I'm Buttercup. But the problem was I had another friend. Her favorite color was green. But, like, I could relate to Buttercup more, so I was like, I'm Buttercup. So from a young age, you're looking for an image of who you are. And a lot of times we look to the world to find that image. And it's impossible to find who you are looking at the world. That we are, you know, 
we, the image on the inside of us who God created us to be will save ourselves and those that see it. You know, that by them seeing the word made flesh in our lives, they're reading the Bible, they're reading the words of God, and it causes the word to become quick, alive, and powerful, effective because of the lifestyle we're, that we're living. That the word is not just meant to be read, but it's meant to be lived. It's meant to be shown in this generation. Um, and even encouraging you all just being here as young people, that throughout the Bible, you can see that God has called and wanted to speak to people at a young age. You know, that he's wanted to use them at a young age. Where You look, you can look through the whole Bible and just see um, people that God has called out and spoken to, encountered them at a young age, that he doesn't just want to wait till you're older to speak to you, to talk to you, that yes, you'll grow in, you know, what God has called you to be, and you're not going to just be, you know, at that finished point at a young age. But he wants to start at a young age training you and getting a skill for, skillful with the words of God over our life. Um, you just look throughout the Bible, Esther, you can see David, you know, Samuel, these, these young people that God called to an encounter at a young age. Um, and just even, you know, a lot of times when you read the Bible, you can think this is for, like, older people. Or you just think, like, looking at it, all these people were old or whatever because the book seems old. But this Bible's young people, and it gives us our image as a young generation. It shows us what we're to look like and what we're to live at a young age. Um, and even, you know, you go into the New Testament, there were young people that God called out to train them in the ministry. You know, even the disciples, I'm not sure their age, but God called them out at a young age to train them in the ministry and to, to get skillful with the gift on their life so that we don't neglect or despise the young age that we are now and think and try to put off what God wants to do to a latter year, or latter age, but now is the time for us to, to, you know, get on with what God has called us to do, amen, so let's look at, um, let's look at John 1, 1 through 5, John 1, 1 through 5, that we have to be persuaded of who we are, and, and just like Abraham, we can't consider what we see in the natural, or we can't consider our past, when it's concerning what God has called us to be, that you can only and only consider the word when you are to be who God called you to be. So John 1, 1 through 5, and it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Um, and right there, I wanted to focus in on that last part, just concerning you cannot find your image in the world, because that, it says that the darkness cannot comprehend light. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if we have been called to be the light of the world, that we cannot to the world for instructions. That word comprehends means to know and to instruct. The world cannot instruct you on who you are. And a lot of times, you know, even I have failed to that, where you look, you know, on Instagram or Pinterest or different things on media, on TV shows, on movies, for instruction of how to be you. And you will not find who you are in social media. You will not find who you are in this world. The world cannot comprehend you, and they cannot instruct you on how to be the light of the world. They can't instruct you on how to be the salt of the world. So that we have to look to our creator who made us by his words, who formed us, with his words, and his words are with us today. Amen. And that, you know, just, you know, confess that. The word is working in me. Say that. The word the is word working is in me. And it's working in you right now, just being here that, you know, being ministered the word, that the word is working in us. And we have to put faith in the word, not just in our own ability, but in the words of God. We have to put faith in that and let those words persuade us. Not this anymore. 
and I am who God said that I am. And I'm not that what the world says that this generation is. I am who God said that I am. We have to be persuaded by the words of God who he called this generation to be. Amen. But he's letting us know that we cannot look to the world to comprehend or instruct us. I know um, me and Karina gotten <laughs> we got in a couple of fights at the house. <laughs> um, but I realized that came that did not come from my parents, my family. It didn't come from the church. That came from a whole nother image in the world. How many of you guys remember the Bad Girls Club? It's still on. <laughs> I remember speaking and watching that show like at a very young age. Uh, I think I was like probably middle school or high school. And that's when me and Karina started fighting in the house. But, <laughs> and my dad tore us up for it. But I realized that, you know, where did this image come from? Because I was, that was like not in my family, just the, the aggression to fight or whatever. That was not who I was even raised to be or taught to be. But that's somewhere else that I allowed to enter in. That we have to watch what we allow enter into our eye gates and our ear gates. <laughs> and then, you know, and not um, blame just because she made me mad, that's why I did it. No, that came from somewhere. Yeah. Because the Bible shows us how to read believers, even in anger. Yeah. Even if something upsets us. Even when different emotions tries to come in, yeah. that the Bible shows us how to react. Yeah. And when things happen, we cannot blame other people. I don't care if they did do something. Corinne did a lot of stuff. She stole a lot of clothes. And that's what caused a lot of our fights. <laughs> is that I would see her in all my outfits. And it's like, how did you get that? So, but I couldn't blame that. That came, that, that anger started on the inside of me by letting another image in. Yeah. So even in our lives, we cannot blame other people, even if they have done us wrong. I don't care if it's a family member or anybody. We cannot blame anybody for the anger and, or for presenting another image. Yeah that we have to put blame on what did I allow in for me to present and project this attitude, project this image in the earth, that we have to be accountable, you know, for getting in the word. We have to put accountability on ourselves for getting in the word, that we have to, you know, to, to do what you haven't, you know, to somewhere further, that it's going to take, it's going to take, conse you know, consecration, and that we can't be casual with the words of God. We can't be casual with what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. Because when you get casual and you let one thing slip, a lot of other things are going to come in. Because people think if I just back up on one thing, I just plan to back up on this, then that's it. No, when you choose to back up on one thing, you let one thing slip, a lot of things are going to slip from that one thing. That we cannot allow and get relaxed and casual with the words of God and let anything slip or let anything in. You know, because I was reading my Bible, I was praying, but I was also watching different things. <laughs> you know, there's things that we can get relaxed in with movies. It's a movie. It's just, you know, entertainment. But we can't get relaxed about things that we let in. And we can't let one thing slip. You know, that the, you know in Hebrews 10, it talks about that, that you're, when you draw back, you're not just drawing back from what you think you're drawing back from. You're going to start drawing back on yourself when you choose to draw back. You know, even people that can get, you know, offended in the church and they choose to draw back on a position and they think that's just where I drew the line, I'm drawing back on this. Yeah. No, you're drawing back on a lot more than what your position was in the church yeah, yeah. when you choose to be casual about what God has called you to do yeah. so that we cannot be deceived and think just because I let, you know, it's just this one little thing that that's where it's done. No, when you choose to let one thing slip, there's a lot tied to that. It's a lot tied to that. So let's look at John 1, 12 through 14. John 1, 12 through 14. And just talking about, you know, intimacy with the word, you know, Proverbs 4 lets us, it really, a picture of intimacy with the word. But he says, embrace her, love her, and she will do this. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because he's letting us know our part first. With the words of God, there's always going to be our part. And a lot of times with the words of God, we hold God to his part, this, you're my healer, you're this and that. But we have to hold ourselves to who we are. What are we to be in this earth? Who did God tell us to be in Proverbs 4? It shows us what is our part before the word promotes you. What is your part first before you receive your crown? What is your part first before you want healing and deliverance? That There's a part in faith. And when I have faith in the word, faith is not to manipulate God. You know, prayer is not to manipulate God. Praise is not to manipulate God. Faith will cause you to move. Faith will cause things in this earth to move. So reading that scripture, it's telling us to move first. And this is the outcome. The word will always produce something. So when I'm doing the word, it will cause a merchandise that is, you know, that cannot be viewed by money. That when I put the word first in my life, it will bring a merchandise that I could have never paid for. So that we have to realize that we have to do our part first with this word. That there is a part that is ours in this word. Not just about God, you're doing this in my city, you're doing that. No, that there's a part for us to do and see in this word that shows us what we are to show. What are we to make flesh about God in this earth? And we're to show that in this world. So just looking at Proverbs 4, it just shows us like when you embrace her, when you take her in, then promotion comes. You know, when you embrace her, you take her in, she will keep you, she will preserve you. That there's a part in this relationship with God. That, that passage just really shows, you know, the marriage that we have with him as his bride. There's a part that we have to keep, and there's a part that he will keep. But we have to worry about our part. You know, doing what our part is in the word. So let's look at John 1, 12 through 14. It says, but as many as were him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. I'm sorry, I said, uh, okay, yeah. And it's, I'm in verse 12. Did I tell you all that? Okay. Um, Even them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory And the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that last part that it says he was full of grace and truth. That he was full of truth. Not, you know, he wasn't full of facts of the world. He was full of truth, which is the reality of who we are in this earth. That he was full of the word of God, which caused him to be the word made flesh in the earth. That Jesus showed us the the heart of the Father in the earth. He showed us the spirit of the Father in the earth. That he was, his word made flesh. We just read that God is his word. So when he made his word flesh, God was flesh to the world. That God heard the cries of the world. He saw the darkness and he sent his image to the world. And we have to realize that Jesus, it said that he, he, he came to seek that which was lost. It wasn't us, our physical that was lost. He saw where we were. But it was our identity that was lost. It was our identity that was taken, our dominion, our power, our authority that was taken. So when he came, he came to show us what image we behold, what dominion, what power, what authority that we hold in this earth. That he came to bring back the self-esteem that was lost. He came to bring back the confidence that was lost to even go boldly to my father. He came to bring that confidence back. He came to bring back of who we are to this earth. That he knew where we were. He saw our physical. He saw everything that we were doing. He saw the sin. But he knew we were sinning because we didn't see. We weren't enlightened of who we were. So he had to bring the image of who we were back to this earth. And that's what Jesus showed that he was showing who he was as a son of God just showing off. But he was showing who we were. What he demonstrated is what we are to demonstrate in this earth. You know, um, I know 
when I, um, a lot of times we can cut off friends and you can be considered fake for that. Um, or just even some people can come to church and just be like, oh, it's fake. It's not real here. No, not being real is I haven't prayed for anybody lately. Not being real is I haven't cast out a devil lately. I haven't healed the sick lately. That's not being real. That's being fake. That when I am going and living opposite of the word, that is being fake. That is not being real. That's not being sincere. And a lot of times people can call, uh, you know, unsincerity and all these different things, different things. But no, when I'm in line with the words of God, I'm being real. I'm being 100%. I'm being real with the words of God. So do not be fooled if you get called that because you're doing the will of God. That I'm being real when I am doing what was written about me. I'm being real. You know, the Bible tells us that that's what just at the end, the words that were written about us. It's the words of God is what we are to hold our standard to, not what's around me. That's not our standard. You know, even with Reshack and Bishak and Abednego, I hope I said all those names right, that they did not change their standard because of everybody else bowing down to the golden image. You know, that Nebuchadnezzar created an image for them to worship. Just like the world, it has created an image, a different image that is not of God for us to bow down to and to come to and to worship. But when I am full of the words of God, I'm full of my part. And you see, they were filled with their part. They said, even if he doesn't, we will do our part. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we will do our part. So we have to know our part in this covenant. We have to know our parts in the words of God, that God has called us not to bow down to anything in this world. The, those things are called to bow down to us. That he said, we, you know, we are the ones to, to, to continually make his enemies his footstool. Yeah. That he did that, but we are to continue that, that image. We're to continue that. But with that king that he created an image for them to worship, but they didn't bow down, they would not bow down. Because that is not, that was not them. They were being real. They were being sincere. They did not bow down. And even though everybody bowed down, I don't care if it's just you standing for the words of God, you have to do it. We're going to read that it says Jesus by himself took our sickness. That nobody, nobody was on that cross with him. Nobody took those beatings with him. By himself, because he was filled with the words of God, he brought salvation to us. By one man's obedience, many have been saved and will be saved. So it doesn't matter if it's just you, even if you don't have two other friends. If it's just you, you have to stand for the words of God. That we are not to succumb and bow down to different images the world presents because it looks cool, because it's in. That we will stand for the words of God and we have to stand. That our standing, once again, stayed in the image of God and us staying in the image of God will save ourselves and those that see it. That that image of standing for the words of God saved them. Them doing their part, holding their side of the covenant, brought salvation. When they were thrown in that furnace, it didn't touch them. It didn't singe them. They didn't smell like smoke. It was nothing. Their bracelets weren't broken off or nothing. That they not saying they had bracelets, but they came out whole and complete. In even in the midst of fire, even in the midst of of darkness, even in the midst of opposition, they stayed whole because they kept the words of God near to their hearts. That I we will stand for our part. What God has called us to do. That they were making that word flesh, the word that God is a deliverer and a salvation, that they made that word flesh right then and there when they did their part. That it was a made lie that he was a deliverer, that he was a savior when they came out whole from that furnace. That us living the words of God makes his word flesh, that people do not have to, you know, just first in, in, in their first contact with God, does not have to come to the church or read the Bible, but just us walking in our schools and our jobs and our households, People are interacting with the, the God. Yeah. 
that we people are seeing the Father in heaven. People are seeing the love, the boldness of God walking in this earth because we're taking hold and cherishing the words of God. So let's read. Uh, we read. Do we read John 1? 12? Okay. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 5. Hebrews 10, 5. And just remembering that if you're saying um, you're in faith, there will be actions. That there's no such thing as faith without actions, without works. That you cannot say I'm in faith about something and you do not live it out. You can't say you believe in biblical finances and you don't tithe. (laughs) You know, that faith brings actions. You cannot say, you know, you believe. (laughs) You just can't. You can't just say you believe even in, you know, that God hasn't made for me, but I'm living the different way with different, you know, the opposite sex and different things like that. That when you believe that God says he is who he is, that there will cause actions on your side. It will cause words on your side to come out. It will cause a lifestyle to come out and to be lived in the world. When I, when I actually believe, even if you look at the lady with the issue uh, of blood, that her faith caused her to move. A lot of times we think faith is God do this, do this, do this. No, faith causes me to move towards God. Faith causes me to react to what God has already presented and laid up. That when Jesus came, healing was provided in the earth. And when she chose to say that if I can just touch him, that she meditated on that. If I can just touch him, I will be whole. That that was faith on the inside of her. That I know I'm not supposed to go out the house right now. That I know I know what sickness I have. And really, you know, she wasn't really permitted to be out. Because kind of, back then, if they didn't know how to treat it, you were just like cast away. But it was faith on the inside of her. That even takes faith sometimes to come here. It takes faith to come to church, but that's faith. Faith has actions. And that faith got her out of the bed, out of the house, to go find the man of God. It got her out of the house. Faith caused her to move. That if we say we are in the faith, we will do something. That we will, we will present something. So when she was going out, that if I can just touch him, I'll be whole. If I can just touch him, I will be whole. And you know that it was, you know, and, and really she got preached to. She heard that Jesus was in town. She heard. The word on the inside of you should produce something. It should do something. That if I hear healings here, that I'm moving. If I hear that, I'm not just going to sit there and be victimized. That is sickness on me. No, that faith caused her to get up and move. And that when she reached him, she touched him. Virtue went out of him. He said, who touched me? Because this was not just a touch of a, you know, a victim. This was a touch of somebody that had faith. To where they took what belonged to them. That this was the faith. I felt faith touched me. (laughs) And virtue went out of me. Because they were like, everybody's telling you. You know, because everybody was saying Jesus was there. But only one came with an expectation. And that shows a lot. That we can show up to so many events. We can show up to church all we want. But if we do not have faith entering. And if we do not have expectations. You will just be there. That's what you'll get. You went to youth camp. And that's it. But if you come with expectations and you come with faith, when I'm here, this is going to happen. When I'm here, this is going to happen. That that faith will be fulfilled. That word will be fulfilled. That we are to take hold of those words to be fulfilled. And that we see that with the life of Jesus. That every word that was written about him, he fulfilled it. That he said, not one jot or one tittle will drop. Not one thing that has been written about me, one thing that has been written about my generation will drop. Because I am sure that this word is made flesh in this earth. So let's read Hebrews 10, 5. And it says, and this is out of the uh, Passion Translation. It says, so when Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world, he said, since your, uh, okay, he said, since your desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body. 
that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all. So right there he was saying, I will be the one to go fulfill your word. I will be the one to make your word flesh in the earth. And right, and you just see that he said uh, he wanted a living sacrifice. That he didn't want a dead sacrifice anymore. There's no power to that. <laughs> and this was a sacrifice that was once and for all. Yeah. That there wasn't a continual sacrifice every year. Jesus don't have to die every year on the cross. Yeah. That it was a one-time thing that saved the human race. Right. And that he is still calling for living sacrifices in this earth. Yeah. That to be the word made flesh, it will take sacrifice. It will take laying things down. Because he said, you have to receive the word. You have to let go of all filthiness. You have to let go of all all unforgiveness you have to let go of the hardened heart to receive the words of God in your heart and so that he was a living sacrifice and we're today still called to be a living sacrifice that I'm laying down what I think I was I'm laying down my past I'm laying down what people said I was you know even for me personally I remember growing up just thinking I was shy because like you know you just because you don't talk to anybody and you're kind of (laughs) like but God didn't call any of us to be shy that God didn't call any of us to be, you know, to just be like hiding when we see people, whatever. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is kind of like, oh, this person's talking to me or whatever. But no, God did not call us to be that kind of person. He called us to be bold. He called us to present his word bold. So you have to lay down what you got laid as a child when you were younger and pick up the words of God, who he called and said you are to this day. That that is the word that we're presenting. That's the word that we're showing forth in this earth. So he said that he, want, he, he asked him to prepare a body. And that I will go and be that living Christ. I will go and be that word to your people. That it was a father that was revealed unto us as Jesus walked the earth. So let's read. Let's go to Isaiah 59, verse 16. Isaiah 59, verse 16. Amen. And it says... And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. And even when we're taking on the words, it's not your own righteousness causing you to walk in the words. It's not your own right. You start fulfilling the words. That is the righteousness of God. And you keep reading. It says, verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with the zeal as a cloak. Right there, I like that because he's showing that he put on the image of God when he came into the earth. That was not his own righteousness he put on. That was the righteousness of God. That was not his own salvation he put on. That was the salvation of a father. That was not, you know, that was not his own uh, vengeance and zeal he put on. That was the zeal of the father. So we cannot be ignorant to think that I will be the believer I need to be to this generation, to this world, without putting on the words of God. You cannot deceive yourself and think that you can go without words throughout the words of God throughout your day and present his image. That Jesus even knew he had to put him on to come present him. That we cannot present God putting another image on. We cannot think we're going to present God by receiving and meditating on the words of another. You know, that's what Eve did, that she took in place the words of another, which produced a whole different outcome of what God did. That when you take the words of another and put it above God's words, you are not going to produce righteousness. You are not going to produce the word fulfilled and made flesh in the earth. 
So right here that Jesus put these things on, and, you know, that's what's so, um, just reading that excited me because sometimes we can, we can think it's our own, like, just zeal and passion and fire that's causing us to do things. No, that's the zeal of the Father in the earth. That when, you know, that sometimes you just, you, you can have the mindset, I don't want anybody to struggle with what I've struggled with. That's the vengeance of a father. Yeah. That I don't want my children struggling with any things that the world struggles with. Yeah. I don't want my children struggling with depression, with sickness. And it's the vengeance of the father that has come to the earth to redeem, to redeem the sick, to take back that which was lost. That is the vengeance of the Father that we're to walk in, that every day I wake up with fire, I wake up with zeal, I wake up with the vengeance of the Father, that there's still things to get back. There's still lost people, images out there to return back. And that is the vengeance of the Father that caused him to come down in this earth, that caused him by himself to take our beatings. You know, I was just thinking about that. You know, we have people that you can say, like, i die for you. <laughs> but I don't think anybody's really talking about this kind of death. I don't think anybody's really talking about getting whipped, beat, you know, mocked, you know, pierced on the side, a crown of thorns, whipped, and, you know, hammered on a cross. That When people say that, they're not really saying, like, this kind of death. <laughs> but it was by himself he took the death that belonged to us, the spiritual and physical death, that he took that, and that was the vengeance of the Father, that what I have come here, it will happen. My word that I've sent into this earth, it will prosper what I sent it to, and that Jesus died on the cross for humanity. It prospered our lifestyles. It caused us to live a prospered lifestyle. So when his word comes, it's to do something. You look at Peter walking on the water, that he said, Lord, bid me to come, that he just needed a word because he knew that words use actions. The words of the Father come to produce something, that they're not just scriptures for us to quote and, and to sing, but these words that we're singing, the words that we're reading are to do something in our generation. So when he, he got the word to come, he started to walk on water. You just need one word. You just need one word from the Father to do something. And we have plenty of them, though. We got plenty of words. That when he told us to go heal the sick, to cast out devils, we were then empowered to do so. That when he called us to preach the gospel, we were then empowered to preach the gospel. When we have a word, it, it produces power for us to do so. So when I have a word of God, there should be actions attached to that, that the word is to produce in my life, that I lay down the words of another, I lay down the image of this world, and I take on the words of God, which are to produce God in this earth, that when people see us, they see God. They see the, the love of God, they see the power of God, they see the miracles of God, that it's not even the miracles that we are to do, that they're not our own. That was thought of by the Father. You know, we, we're not that creative. But those are thought of of the Father, the miracles that he wants to produce in this earth, the things that he wants to see, that we have to realize that the words will cause you to move. They will cause you to do something. Even the centurion, that he just speak, speak your word only, that he knew if I had word, there will be a merchandise. There will be a product of the outcome of you speaking the word and the word only, that we are to speak the word and the word only over ourselves, yeah. word and the word only over what we want to see change. Yeah. That we cannot be confessing, people are crazy, people get on my nerves. No, speak the word and the word only. It doesn't matter what it sees, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it doesn't matter what it feels like. We are to speak the word and the word only. To bring what is not seen into the seen realm. And that even includes the image of God on the inside of you. You might not see the of who you are yet, but you by your faith and by your words are bringing that image into fulfillment. Bringing that image into this earth. That we are not to back down when it comes to confessing who we are. We're not to back down. And, you know, even just like uh, Pastor Alvin talked about that, 
that me saying another word is me thinking highly of myself. You know, even if it's a word that you're you're breaking yourself down, that's that's you're still thinking highly of yourself that, you know, you think you're smarter. And I just think it's awesome that, you know, God's let us know that he knows what we have need of. It's not a boyfriend. It's not a third job. <laughs> what we need is a word. What you need is a word for the day. <laughs> so we, we can, we can self-evaluate ourselves. What I need, what I now is a friend. No, you need the word of God. What I'm missing right now, I don't have this parent. No, you need the words of God. What I'm missing right now is this. That we can self-evaluate what we need, but our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of. He knows what word we need today to be who we were called to be. He knows what word we need to build the confidence. He knows what words we need to produce healing in the earth. He knows what word is needed in this generation. And we're to present that word forth. That we cannot self-evaluate. What our nation needs is awareness of this. No, the word is needed. The power of God is needed. That we can self-evaluate things. And it's not a right evaluation. God knows what we have need of. And that's why we're to put his words first. Put the kingdom first. Don't worry about what you think you need. It will be taken care of by putting the kingdom first. Amen. So let's read. um, Let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, In all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as a mirror, the glory of the Lord being constantly or constantly being transfigured, into his very own image, an ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So right there, he's letting us know as we behold the words of God that we're being transformed. The longer you stay in the mirror, the more you'll be transformed. Even getting ready, the longer you stay there, something's going to change. You could be for the worse or for the... Something's going to change when you stay in a mirror and you're doing things. That to yourself, it's, things will change. Yeah. So he's telling us that the word is a mirror. And the longer we stay in the mirror, the more we're being transfigured, the more we're being changed. Yeah. You know, even James talks about being that sees himself in the mirror, sees himself in the word, yeah. and goes do different as a man that has forgotten who he is. Okay. So when you see the word and you do different, you have forgotten who you have been called to be in this generation. When you decide to go out and live a different life, you have forgotten who Jesus died for you to be. You have forgotten the image that he produced for us in this earth. So when we're looking at the word, we're to change, we're to transform. We're to change. Things are to be changed. Things are to be perfected. Even with with the rich young ruler, that Jesus perceived him. It said he looked upon, you know, he came to him and was like, what may I do to, you know, enter and to be a part of the kingdom of God? And he told him what to do. And he's like, yeah, I've, I've I've done all that. And it said he, he beheld him and he loved him. That love will bring correction. That it said he beheld him and loved him. The word is for correction. The word is for reproofing. The word will bring changes. The word will bring repentance. It will bring conviction. So he looked at him and beheld him and he said, there's one thing that you have, you have to change. There's one thing you have to let go of. And it's your money. <laughs> it's your money. Uh, because he trusted more in the riches than in God. He called us to be wealthy and to have money. But he does not want our, our, our trust in the riches. That we are not to forget the one that caused us to be wealthy. We are not to forget the one that gave us the power to get wealth. And so he said, there's one thing that you lack. 
And that's why when the word, it will always give you what you're lacking in your faith. Even right now, you can get what's lacking in your faith. And Jesus presented a word, and that he didn't know that that word was to produce something. That word was to produce more than his riches ever could. But it said that saying saddened him. And sometimes we can hear the word that we need to change. We can hear the word that we need to do, the word that is going to produce power in our life, and it can sadden us. <laughs> we can be sad by the word that's going to make us even more wealthy. We can be saddened by the word that's going to bring healing. We can be saddened by the word that's going to change our family, that's going to change the generations after us because we think the trust is in that thing. You know, whatever you put your trust in, you should make it can deliver you. You should make sure that it can save you. And he chose to take... <laughs> take the trust of riches and walked away like he was walking away with a great thing like a good thing I'll keep what I got no it was something greater he was giving him he gave him he was giving him an opportunity to even step into the ministry with him and to follow him but he turned that down because I can't give that up that God will behold us and see that one thing that's lacking and when we get that word we are not to turn away from it ignore it like we don't see it but we're to take hold of that and to do something we're to transform with that word and not be saddened by the words that you can't do this anymore. No, for me not to do that, that means it's life that's being produced by it. Yeah. You know that a lot of times I think, oh, because I can't, I can't do this, I can't go out to these parties, I can't do that. You know, we can take that with sadness. No, me staying away from the things of the world is producing power and authority and dominion. The more that you stay away from sin, it's causing you to step more authority of power and dominion. But people think if I stay away from sin, it's taking fun out of my life. No, if I'm staying away from sin, I'm seeing I'm walking in a brighter and a brighter and a brighter path that I'm seeing more of who I am. That when it comes time for me to do what God has called me to do, I can do it. That if it's a family member, I can be there because I have stayed away from darkness. That there's no way for you to, you know, to encapture darkness and then want to go, you know, you know, try to do what God's called you to do. You can't do it. (laughs) So we have to realize that staying away from sin produces more it it shows not even it just shows more of the authority and the power that you have that in darkness you will completely be blinded of who God has called you to be and you will never see it that's why when people sin then God shows them what they're to be they can't receive it because there's a bad conscience there that to do what God has called you to do you have to have faith in a good conscience so walking in the words of God cleanses my mind it cleanses my bad conscience to where I can be who God has called me to be but when I stay in sin, and even if I'm out, and if I just stay in the mindset that I did this, I did that, I did that, that you are constantly hiding the image God has called you to be. That the earth is groaning for the true sons of God. <laughs> we ourselves are groaning for the true sons of God. That we are groaning for the image, the words that God has spoken on the inside of us to come out. But the more that we stay in sin, the more that we stay in a bad conscience of who we are, the more who God has called us to be is hidden. It's veiled. And that's why we have to stay with the words of God, that he's revealing secrets. He's the revealer of secrets, who we are to be in this earth. He's revealing. He wants you to know who you are. That is not to be a secret to you. He wants us to know that. And then when I have have light, there's no coming back. You know, that's that's the thing. You know, and I even experienced that in my life, that when you have a lot of times people can once again self-evaluate themselves of what they're missing to come out of something. Um, But you you need a word to come out. You need a word that reveals who you are to stop doing what you used to do. You need revelation. You need knowledge of who you are to stop doing that. So you have to take hold of the word. So when I have light, then darkness cannot enter unless you let it in. But if I have light, that is the beginning of me seeing who I am. 
And when I have light, now I have the knowledge to stand up against that temptation. When I have the word, now I have the weapon that I need for that word. <laughs> you know, that, you know, Nehemiah, that they were building. And it said that in, in one hand they had the weapon to build, and in the other they had a weapon to protect. I mean, they had a tool to build and a weapon to protect. And that's to be as children of God, that we have to have the, the words to build, and then we have to have the words that protect us. When oppositions try to come, when temptations or, or thoughts of who you used to be try to come, you have to have the words of God. So let's look at, um, let's look at Hebrews 1 through 3. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Amen. And it says, God, who at sundry times and in different manners spake and passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heirs of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the power of his words, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the, the majesty on high. So that right there we see that he was saying that in, you know, in the old covenant, the only way to express himself was through prophets. Yeah. But he's saying in this day, in the new covenant, that how he's expressing himself is through the sons of God. That when they see your lifestyle, they're seeing what God is speaking. Yeah. And that's why people can get convicted. You don't have to say, you know, to do right. But you living right can convict some people and they don't want to be around you. <laughs> that you experience that you never told them, like, don't do that, but you just didn't do it. Because that's God speaking to them and it's convicting them and it makes them feel uncomfortable that they don't know what that is. Why? I feel weird around this person. And people can just not want to hang around you because you, you're living right. Because your life is speaking. That the lifestyle of Jesus spoke. And the lifestyle that we are to live should speak who God made us and who God wants us to be. So now let's go to Matthew. Matthew 4. Then I'm almost done. Matthew 4. And, and, and God just showed me this passage just in a new way because you know, I've read this, but um, <laughs> this just was in, in, a new, in a new way. And we're going to start in um, verse 1. Matthew 4, verse 1, and it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when you can read that, you can think that, you know, God was tempting him. No, that it, it tells us, God lets us know that there is no evil in him to be tempted with. Yeah. And that's something that you can stand, use to present your image, that there is no evil in me to even fall for that temptation. That when we make his word flesh on the inside of us, there is no evil in me to even take hold of that temptation. And then it says that there's no evil in him to even tempt any man. So right here, just to clear that, that God was not leading and tempting him in this garden, but it was the devil. And when we know when the devil comes, it's to steal, kill, and destroy something. That Jesus in this earth, he was gaining back the image and the authority. And so the devil saw that. So he came to this garden to steal, kill, and destroy and it was not just Jesus, but it was all that Jesus was attached to. He came to steal, kill, and destroy the plan of God. He came to steal, kill, and destroy the future sons of God in this garden. So it says that he came in verse 2, and it says, When he had fasted 40 days and for 40 nights, he was after hunger. And when I read that, I just saw that his flesh was weak. That he put his flesh down on this, you know, this fast. That he was out there for 40 days and 40 nights. And I realized, the re you know, <laughs> 
part of the reason why he was able to overcome is because his flesh was weak. It says your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak to do the will of God. So right here, he was to do the will of God and him putting his flesh under caused his flesh to be weak and his spirit was. And when the devil stepped into this garden, he did not know that he was coming to tempt the word. He was coming to tempt the word made flesh, which is powerful, effective, which is, you know, has it produces something. It's sharp. He came in here to tempt. He thought that the man it was the word that was in that garden that he came to tempt. And in the word, there's no evil to be tempted with. In the word, there is no weakness to be tempted with. So it said that he came in verse three. And when the tipper came then to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So he presented another word. And throughout this whole passage, he's presenting another word. And God is and, and God is using a word. But that was God in the garden. That was the words of God in this garden that he was tempting. And every time he showed it a truth. You know, just like the song uh, Reckless, that there's no lie, you won't tear down. The, there's no, you know, shadow. That he kept trying to present a shadow. He kept trying to present a lie. And it kept getting knocked down by the words of God. That you cannot think the lies that are coming, you know, trying to come upon you will be knocked down just by your, your, uh, just your own self. It's going to take the words of God. So every time he presented a shadow, a lie, a veil, he used the words of God, which also fulfilled the word. That fulfilled, you know, that word was fulfilled in this garden. There's no evil in him to be tempted. He made that word flesh in this garden. And then even walking out with, you know, even reading, continuing to read on, then it said after, you know, uh, he was tempted, it said he went and he lived where it was prophesied he was to live, by the seashore. That once again, he made the word flesh by going to be in the right place at the right time. Amen. That there is a place for us to be. There's a place for us to live. There's a place for us to even go to school. There's a place for us to be that is the right place at the right time that fulfills the words of God. And then after that, it talks about where he went and got the right people. He went and found the disciples that God called him to be. So once again, your fellowship is fulfilling the word of God and making it flesh. That you cannot just have anyone around you and hanging around you to fulfill the words of God. That Jesus' lifestyle, step after step, he was fulfilling the words of God and nothing was his own. It was all made by the words of God. The last scripture... Amen. Amen. <laughs> Last scripture. Galatians 5, 1. Galatians 5, 1. And it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again, with the yoke of bondage, that God sent his word to deliver us from our own destruction. And he's letting us know, do not go back into perdition. Do not go back into what you've been delivered from. And you have to keep what you have to fight for it. And that's what he's told, he said in Nehemiah to them, that he said that you have to stand and fight for your sisters, your brothers, for your household. You have to stand and fight for your city. Me being who I am created to be and being in my place where God has called me fighting. You know, that's fighting that even if it's where God, the position God told you to be in the church, that's fighting for what all is connected to you. Me being where I need to be and who I need to be with, that is fighting. That is fighting for what God has called me to do. So he's saying, do not go back into bondage. Do not go back into what I have kept you from. I mean, what I have delivered you from. And yeah, kept. But do not go back into that. And I, okay, I'm sorry, you guys. One last scripture, Colossians 2.14. Last one, Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14. 
that we're not to go back into what he freed us from. And, um, and even with uh, where he, he's, he's letting us know that he's given us the keys to heaven and earth, to loosen the bind, those keys are also your words. Your words will loosen bind. Your words will keep things that don't belong away, and they will bring what belongs to you, words of faith, the words of God. But let's look at Colossians 10 in, in ending. And it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed every lie to that cross. He nailed every past to that cross. He nailed every word that can try to come against you and condemn you. That was nailed to the cross. So we have to quit picking up dead things. A word, a true word is something that is spoken by a living voice. Lies are spoken by something and someone that has been defeated that is dead. So every lie, every darkness, every word that we can even sometimes take and condemn ourselves, oh, I did this, I did that, that was nailed to the cross. That no longer is alive and no longer to be produced and fulfilled in the earth. That now we are to take on the words of God that he produced for us to live. So all, everything that we can think of just come against ourselves, that was all nailed to the cross. Amen? Amen. So I, wanna, I want to pray for some people, yeah. just an ending, amen. Yeah. Um, and could we sing the last song that we worship to? Yeah. Amen. Yeah.